Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. So happy to be in God's house today. And over the summer, we took on the daunting task of jumping into Revelations. Um, and we have, it's just been a great time together. We're uh, going to just keep, keep, keep on keeping on. And we're going to jump in the Bible over to Revelations uh, chapter 4 today. And so if you have your Bible, you can open up to uh, Revelations chapter 4. And uh, we're going to look right into that text today and uh, just get going uh, and really look into what God's trying to show us through this word. I hope you've been enjoying this series so far. Um, I don't know if some of you may have thought that I was going to give you, uh, you know, predictions on when Christ was going to return or things like that. And thank God I'm not doing that. Amen. Thank God we're just going to learn what the scripture says. And the goal of it is to learn that we prevail. That through the difficulties of life, when life gets hard, we prevail. That God, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, what seemed to make some impact in people's lives is that never in Scripture does God take us out of our trouble. God always takes us through our trouble. And that's what the book of Revelation is about. Nowhere in Scripture do we see Jesus taking us out. He doesn't come and take us away from the trouble. He protects us and guides us and helps us and leads us through the trouble, through the revelation of God, through all of the things that we're going to face. And that's why this series is called Prevail. I want to remind you about the context today in Revelations. Revelations, again, remember John uh, did not offer the incense to Emperor Domitian, and he was going, uh, Emperor Domitian was requiring every single individual to worship him first. He didn't really care that you worshiped other gods, but he just didn't want you worshiping other gods first. And so you'd have to go and worship Emperor Domitian by giving a pinch of incense to the altar in Domitian's temple. And so Christians were being challenged with this to have to choose, do you want to enjoy the regular accoutrements of the Roman Empire or did you want to experience persecution and challenge and mistreatment? John decided that I'm not going to give this uh, incense or this worship to do mission. I'm going to worship the Lord God Almighty first and foremost and only God. And so he was thrown to the island of Patmos at about 85 years old. This, this remaining, only remaining 12, 12th disciple, the closest friend of Jesus, the wonderful man who was there at the cross and there at the resurrection. And he was there in Acts chapter 2. This, this wonderful, beloved pastor was now in, on the island of Patmos, which was a rock quarry where they would basically just pound rock move rocks from here to there. There was no real purpose behind it. It was just to send people who were enemies of the state, people who would not obey the emperor's rules over to this island. And so here is the the, the wonderful apostle John, and he has this incredible revelation. And while this revelation is happening, remember that the church of Jesus Christ, the churches all throughout Asia and all throughout the world really, were facing tremendous, tremendous persecution because they were having to decide whether they wanted to worship the foreign god, Domitian, or if they wanted to worship their God, Yahweh. Not only that, there was heresy entering the church and there was a gospel about Jesus that wasn't the real gospel and there was immorality entering the church. So here's John experiencing this tremendous challenge. He's carrying this major weight on his shoulders. And today, all we're gonna do is we're gonna walk through the book of Revelation chapter four. We're not gonna read outright the whole chapter. We're actually gonna go verse by verse. We're gonna jump around and I'm gonna give you basically, uh, really to help you understand what each of these symbolisms mean and then give you an application point for you to understand what Jesus was trying to say to the churches who were experiencing such challenging persecution and a challenge in their life. When, When Jesus wanted to reveal himself to the church, he wanted to give them some 
some hope and wanted to give them some joy. And the very first thing that Jesus revealed to John was last week, the son of man. He revealed the son of man to John. He revealed, uh, he revealed himself. And we saw last week, we looked at this beautiful picture of Christ. And the second revelation, we see it's almost like another window. We see chapter one, and then we see chapter two and three talk about letters to the churches, which we'll talk about later in the year in a series called In the Middle. We're gonna be doing that series later. But all the way over to chapter four, now John has another revelation. And it looks as though it's the same, and it's probably in the same moment. But John then turns, and he has another moment in this, in, the, in this revelation where he sees something totally different. At first, he was revealed the Son of Man. Now he's being revealed something about heaven. He's seeing heaven. He's seeing that there's a throne. He's seeing that there's someone sitting on the throne. And now uh, Jesus is wanting to reveal to John and to the church something about heaven, something about a picture that is going on right now in eternity. And remember, this is not just in John's imagination. He had a revelation of Jesus and a revelation of heaven that Jesus was trying to help him understand that in order for you to see earth correctly, you've got to have an accurate picture of heaven. In order for you to see how earth functions and why it functions and have a mindset on earth, you and I have to have a correct understanding of what is going on right now in heaven. This is, it didn't just happen, it's happening right now in heaven. And today I pray the Lord would open your eyes to see Jesus and to see heaven as it is right now. So let's jump into our first verse here today in Revelations 4, verse 1. And then as I looked, remember that's one of the greatest, the number one used phrasing in all the book of Revelation is look. He's telling the church, look and see church. Don't be afraid, look and see. I saw a door standing open in heaven. And the same voice I heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. And the voice said, come up here and I will show you what must happen after this. Now remember, John was not uh, transported away from Patmos. He was having this experience right there, sitting on a rock in the middle of Patmos. He had this revelation of God. And while he's having this revelation, he's realizing something important that you and I have to grasp this morning, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is close. The dimensions of heaven are right in front of us. They are right in front of us. They are all around us. The dimensions of heaven are open. It's tangible. It's real. You cannot enter this through a spaceship like Matthew McConaughey tried to do in his last space movie. He got there and realized he tried to go find his father and his father wasn't the same person he found. It's because we cannot see this dimension of heaven through our natural eyes. You can only see it through your spiritual eyes. In the same way right now, if you pull your phone now and you go to your Wi-Fi settings, you'll see there's about eight or nine Wi-Fi, uh, Wi-Fi channels going through this building right now. You can't feel it. You can't see it. But the moment you access it, you're accessing information and a part of, uh, of something that you need for your life. You access the internet and you have all access to all the things that you need in the same way. Heaven is all around us. It's happening right in front of us and it's available to everyone if you have the correct password. And guess what? The correct password is this. Jesus. He's the correct password. Capital J by the way. Capital J-E-S-U-S. Come on, his name is Jesus. And so you and I can experience the dimension of heaven right now. Heaven is intersecting with earth and John is giving a picture of heaven to help him see earth in a new way. 
He wants him to look at what's happening in the world with persecution and, and political uprising. And I know South Africa is facing terrible riots and there's things going across the world and there's chaos and there's things happening in churches and immorality and challenge all across the world. And so we look at the world and we say, God, where are you? And we look at the world and say, God, why did you do this? People who maybe uh, newer Christians or those who are maybe not further along in their walk with God might say, God, why are you doing this to us? Or God, what's wrong with you? Remember, our God is sovereign and he's in heaven right now, functioning in a heavenly realm. And this is what John is trying to help us understand through the writing of this, that you and I are seeing something that's far beyond our understanding. Look what Paul says when he talks about this in Colossians chapter three. He says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities. Everyone say realities. Realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. When you set your sights on the realities of heaven, the realities of earth take on a different form. When you set your sights on what we're going to learn today, you recognize that everything going on in the earth is submitted to what we're going to learn about today. Everything going on in the earth is under the rule and, the, and, the, and the, the authority and the control of the Most High God. We serve the controller of the universe. And so John is wanting them to see that behind the scenes there's something else going on. We look in verse 2 and it says this, and instantly I was in the spirit. And look at this. He says, I saw a throne in heaven. So now he's in the heavenly dimension and he sees a throne. He sees a throne. I love this because he sees a throne. Thrones represent the control tower of an empire. Thrones are where monarchs uh, sit and people who are, are, are able to rule the nations. Monarchs are where the, the or, I'm sorry, thrones are where dominion and power and control come from. He says, church, look, there's, I had a vision of heaven. And guess what? At the centerpiece was a throne where all control and all dominion and all power and all authority, it's sitting right there. There's a seat, there's a throne, and it's sitting right in front of me. I can see this throne. Look and see the throne. John mentions the throne 47 times. And in another phrasing, he uses it 77 times all in the book of Revelation. There's something powerful about the throne, something important about the throne that we recognize that this throne speaks to who is in the highest authority of all the world. Now, I know a lot of things I'm saying, you're saying, Ryan, I know that. But my prayer today is that you would have a revelation of this, that right now in actual heaven, in the heaven that we see right now, when the dimensions are open, our God is sitting on the throne, the only throne. And he reigns over all and is in all and is through all. And he is sovereign over all. And we see something that's happening around this throne. Look at this. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbles of thunder. Now, I don't know about you, but when I, the other night we were laying in bed and there was such a loud crack of thunder uh, that, that it just woke me up out of bed. It startled me and my dog started barking and my kids were afraid. It, there's, there's this awe-inspiring, scary terrifying awesomeness about thunder and lightning. What this is pointing out to us is that imagine for a moment a throne and from the throne was coming flashes of lightning, peals of lightning and peals of rumble and peals of thunder. Look what happened in Moses when Moses went to the mountain of the Lord 
This is where uh, John is taking this from. On the morning of the third day, thunder roared and lightning flashed and a dense cloud came down on the mountain and there was a long, long, loud blast from a ram's horn and all the people trembled and all of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of a fire and the smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln and the whole mountain shook violently as the blast of ram's horns grew louder and louder. Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. See, John's wanting you to know that there's thunder and lightning to be reminded to this morning that, that God in his awesomeness is the one out of the throne comes judgment. Now listen, we have the, 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 seven, the, the seven seals, which the judgment was God's judgment and the, the, the seven trumpets, which is God's judgment. And we have the seven, uh, the bowls, which is God's Judgment. And at the end of those seven judgments, every one of those things, when the last of those seven things are open, every single time it talks about thunder and lightning peeling, thunder and lightning roaring. It's a reminder that this throne represents the judgment of all mankind. It's a scary, awesome, terrifyingly awesome idea to consider that when you approach this throne, thunder and lightning comes from the throne. But not only that, it's a reminder that the same God that judges the living and the dead also pulls us close to his throne. That amongst the judgment and amongst the awesomeness and amongst the terrifying reality of the awesomeness of God, he pulls us close boldly to his throne and says, I wanna bring you in because you've been covered by my blood of my son. And because of that, you can enter the throne of God boldly, knowing that as you enter the throne, lightning and, and, and thunder crash in front of you. Yet he intimately pulls you close knowing that you are no longer to be judged because of the blood of Jesus Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He wants them to know that all the things that are happening in this world, there will be judgment for the evils of this world. But for those who have given their life unto Jesus Christ, they are covered by the righteousness of Jesus and they can boldly enter the throne of grace and have a relationship with this mighty, mighty God. You see in verse five, and in front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. Now, this is uh, really interesting because the seven spirits are mentioned uh, in God's throne. The seven, Jesus Christ holds the seven spirits of God. Uh, John links the seven spirits of God with the seven burning lamps that are before God's throne. John identifies as the seven spirits have seven eyes of the lamp. Seven is the number of completion. John took this language from Zechariah in Zechariah 4.10. The seven lamps represent the eyes of the Lord that search all around the world. Now, commentators talk about all different things that it could be, but most commentators would agree that this is talking about the Holy Spirit. That the eyes of God, it's the, the, the Holy Spirit is complete. He is completely there. He is completely available. He is completely accessible. And he looks all throughout the world. The Holy Spirit is in the very presence of God. Notice that, that, that all of the other creation that we will talk about in a moment are looking to the throne, but the Holy Spirit is coming from the throne. This is the Holy Spirit, which should encourage you today to know that the Holy Spirit, the same God who lives within you, your gentle friend and comforter, your advocate and your counselor is also standing in this vision in heaven at the very presence of God, advocating and interceding on your behalf 
as we stand before the throne of God with rips of peals and thunder and the awesomeness of this living, righteous God, the Holy Spirit is advocating and comforting and counseling on your behalf. It should encourage you today to know that the same Holy Spirit that lives in you is in heaven right now interceding and praying on your behalf that you would serve the purposes of God for your life, that you would raise your children and, and lead your family towards the purposes of God for your life. The Holy Spirit is advocating and fighting for you today. What a beautiful picture to know that in the very throne room of God is the Trinity, the triune God, one God, three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which we'll learn about next week, that the Lamb of God is also in the very presence of the living God, that we have a triune God that is involved in your life personally. And the Holy Spirit is present in this place. He's our comforter. Look at Revelation 4, 6, next verse, it says, and in front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. This is an interesting thought because as we look at this verse, some suggest that the, that the sea is a barrier between us and God, that, that, that the sea protects us from a holy God. Others believe that this sea represents the chasm by which we must go through as though the people of Israel went from Egypt to the, uh, the desert into the promised land that they had to cross the Red Sea and they had to cross the Jordan River, the Red Sea, to get into the promised land. So this is a, a journey that we must go through. But, but if you look at this, this sea of glass through the context of the book of Revelations, you will see that it takes on a completely different understanding that the sea all throughout the book of Revelation represents everything that opposes the will of God. Everything that is set out to undo the purposes of God. We'll use the word, it's all the chaos in our world today. All the chaos that we see happening right now in South Africa or, or the, the chaos we see happening in other countries or the chaos we see happening in the political scene or the chaos we see happening with COVID and all of these things, the chaos that we are experiencing in our world today. If we look through the book of Revelations, we will see that this idea of the sea connected to chaos is all throughout the book of Revelation. In fact, an author, D.E. Nyman said this, there was a myth in those days that the original act of creation involved God in a desperate but finally victorious contest with the forces of evil and chaos, and they were identified or located in the waters of the sea. They believed that, that, they believed that, that the, in, in mythology in, in that day, that the Canaanite version would be that there was a war between Baal, the fertility god, and Le Leviathan, the, uh, the, the great sea monster, and this created a, a caused a, a fight between the two and the earth was created from this fight. And so these people, when they heard about the sea, they were thinking about the chaos of life. They were thinking about evil. They were thinking about all the bad things that are happening in the world today. And the beautiful thing about this, we look in Revelations chapter 13, we'll see that the beast first emerged from the sea. Now listen, this is beautiful. Consider for a moment, that in the very presence of God, at the very throne, uh, the very throne room of heaven, on the floor is the sea of chaos submitted to the feet of the throne. Come on, come on. Now imagine this for a moment. Let me show you this. Revelations 19:20, God judges the beast. He, he prevails over the beast. In Revelations 20:10, God prevails or judges the devil. In Revelations 20:14, God judges or prevails over death. 
In Revelations 20, 14, God judges Hades, the place of death. And look at this, Revelations 21, 1, God judges the sea, the chaos of the world. Look at this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth have disappeared and the sea was also gone. He conquered the chaos of this world. We get to know this, that when you look around the world and you feel like, my God almighty, what is happening to our planet? You should have faith today knowing that no matter what you face, the chaos of this world is submitted to the throne room of God. To the very ground, the sea represents this idea of chaos being submitting itself to the throne of God. We know the realities of our world today. We know how chaos impacts our emotions. We know how we look at our lives. We look at the the bigger world picture, but also our own lives. You know, some of us deal with mental health and some of us are dealing with financial problems and marriage difficulties and life stuff. And it just feels like it's chaotic and it's huge and it's massive. And it just feels like, gosh, I don't know what I'm gonna do next. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like even in the last couple of days, I'm being super honest, but I just, just anxiety in my life. I'm like, man, even I told wife, honey, my wife, wife, like it's her first name. I told my wife, I said, honey, I don't even really know what, like I can't, my brain can't even go to the next day. I just feel like it's all caving in. I don't know what to do. It's how my, my brain's telling me that right now. And we just, reminded as I study this, that all the chaos internally in your mind and all the chaos in your heart and all the chaos in your soul and all the chaos in the world, all of it will be defeated by the living God. It all is submitted to the very throne room and to the very feet of Jesus Christ. It sits in the very throne room of heaven right now and recognize it is clear as crystal. Not wavy, not tumultuous, All the chaos of this world is submitted to God. So when you feel like God's out of control, remember, he's sovereign. When you feel like the evil's going to win, the devil's going to win, he's sovereign. When you feel like, man, this marriage is going to fall apart, remember, he's sovereign. When you feel like, man, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills, remember that chaos, he's sovereign. God is sovereign over your life, and chaos itself is in the very presence of God, submitted to the King of Kings. How about the next verse here in verse four? We see now those that are around the throne. 24 thrones surrounded him and 24 elders sat on them and they were all clothed in white and had crowns on their feet. Now it's interesting, 24 elders here right now, uh, John is potentially using a bit of a Roman worldview here because Domitian, Emperor Domitian actually always had with him 24 bodyguards wherever he went. Not only that, but when he performed the Olympic Games, he would have priests from his temple come and we'd have priests around him on each side and each of them were required to wear a crown of gold. So John here is potentially using a little bit of a, of a try to help them understand the, the status of this person that he sees on this throne. But not only that, it has even a deeper meaning that, that it can represent the 12 tribes of Israel that were the church, the redeemed church prior to the coming of Christ and the 12 apostles, which were after the coming of Christ. And so now we have the 12 tribes of Israel and we have the 12 apostles making 24, which represents the very redeemed of God. They are the kind of the representation of the church. This picture here, the 24 elders represents that you and I, not only that, but in, in ancient worship in the temple, they always had 24 division of priests and worshipers. And so whenever they would worship, 
worship and pray, they would always have the 24 division of priests and worshipers come to the house of the Lord. That means this, these 24 elders represent that the redeemed of God will sit and rule and reign in heaven. And we will sit around God redeemed and we will have crowns of gold and we will conquer with Christ. This means that you won't just be a peon in the, in the heavenly realm. You're gonna be someone who has authority by called by God. You will be submitted to the very purposes of God. We don't just go to heaven and play harps and wonder what we're gonna do next. No, you go to heaven and you have a purpose with God and you have a future in Christ and you will rule and reign. The most impoverished and those in this world who are the downtrodden and the beaten up will have the highest rulership in heaven. They will sit in the, the thrones around the throne of God with crowns upon their head when in this life they have nothing but in the life to come, they will lay those crowns before the Lord and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I've been redeemed of all of my sin. This represents you and me. We get to sit around the very throne of the awesome God wearing crowns on our head. We are priests and we are kings in the very atmosphere of the living God. And we will have function and purpose and authority in that place. And we will rule over nations. Now, will we be gods? No, there's only one God. That's a difference between what Mormons would teach and what we would teach. That there is only one God and his name is Jesus Christ. We are simply servants of the most high God. What a beautiful picture of 24 thrones around the throne of God. And then it says in the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. And the first of these living beings was like a lion. And the second was like an ox. And the third was a human face. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings and their wings were covered all over with eyes inside and out. Some have suggested that these are the angelic beings that do the bidding on God's behalf across the world. And others have su suggested that, the, that the, the idea here is that the number four in, in, in numerology, the number four actually is the number for creation. And if you look at these four animals, the, the lion is the greatest of the wild animals, the mightiest. And the ox is the mightiest of the, the toiling land animals. And the human face, the human, is the mightiest of the human race. And the fourth was like an eagle in flight. And this is taught by Rabu Abahu, or Abahiu. <laughs> I can't really say it. You, you be the judge. Look what he says. There are four mighty creatures, the mightiest among the birds and the eagle, is the eagle, the mightiest among the domestic animals is the ox, the mightiest among the wild animals is the lion, the mightiest of all them is the man, and God has taken all of these and secured them to his throne. This represents all of creation. This is the picture here, that all of creation, every created living being, every tongue will confess the name of Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow to the name of Jesus Christ. It says not only will the redeemed be in the very presence of God and rule and reign, but every creature and every created being will one day be in the very throne room of God and it will be submitted, animal and human, submitted to the very nature and the character of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. A day will come when all creation will confess the name of Jesus, that he is the righteous lamb of God who is slain for all the sins of the people of the world and they will be redeemed when they give their life to Jesus Christ by declaring that he is the son of God and he is the Messiah and he came to die on the cross for your sins and he rose on the third day and one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess. Are you here this morning? That Jesus Christ is Lord. We'll see in this verse, that we see that there's a throne in heaven and someone is sitting on it. Hear me today, that throne's occupied. 
It's occupied. It's not empty. John didn't get up there and just see a throne. No, he saw someone sitting on it. He was in the throne of heaven. And he saw that the throne was occupied. And look what it says in verse 3. It begins to describe. John begins to try his very, very best to describe what this someone on the throne looked like. Look what he says. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones. Like jasper. And this jasper would be like a white jasper. Clear as crystal. It was, oh, it was as though everything was concealed into this crystallic look, but it was clear. It was beautiful. It was unimaginable, undescribable. Carnelian has colors of yellow and green and red. And the glow of emerald, which is a, generally emeralds are often very bright green. And look at this. And encircling his throne like a rainbow. I love this. I love the fact that there's a rainbow in the very throne room of God. Let me just say this. The rainbow belongs to the Lord. And do you know that the purpose of that rainbow was that God made a promise that he would never destroy the earth again, but he would come back for it despite its wickedness. He wouldn't destroy it. He would come back for it. It's a promise from God. I love the fact that when John describes the very someone sitting on the throne of God, he uses language to define that God's promises of redemption He promises that you can come to the very throne of God in all of your sin and all of your unrighteousness and all of your brokenness, no matter how far away you are from him, no matter what you've done or where you've been, you can actually enter into the very throne of God. This someone who's covered with gemstones and jasper and carnelian, he's brilliant. I can't even begin to describe for you how brilliant he is. But what I do see is I see like a rainbow, the promise of God that he will never destroy the earth again, that he came to redeem the earth, that he came to to die for my sin and that those who are unholy and those who are far from God can come safe into the presence of the Lord. The rainbow belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to this world. It doesn't belong to a sexual preference. It doesn't belong to the people of this planet. The rainbow belongs to the Lord. It's a promise. No matter how far you are from him, his grace and his mercy is available to you. And that even in the awesomeness of the presence of the Lord, because of the name of Jesus Christ, you can boldly enter his throne. And then he describes those, what they say, they describe him through their worship. Each of these living beings surrounding the throne day after day and night, I want you to read this along with me. Day after day and night after night, they kept on saying, holy, holy, holy. Always three times, meaning perfectly perfect. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He's all might, all power. The one who always was, the one who is, remember, he has no eternity. He doesn't have time. You say, when did God begin? He didn't, he just is. Well, that doesn't make any sense. It's because you're a human. He always existed. He will always exist. He does not function in the construct of time. He always was, he always is. He is still to come. 
And whenever the living beings gave glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, the redeemed, would fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they would lay their accomplishments and they would lay their things they accomplished on earth and the the very treasures they were given by God, their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, look at this, and they exist because you created what you please. If God had not have created, if God wasn't our creator, nothing would see, nothing would exist. And he acknowledged these people begin to declare that you are the holy one. You are the almighty one. The, the elders, the redeemed brought their crowns before the Lord and they lay their accomplishments and their giftings and their treasures before the Lord. And they say, nothing that I own and nothing that I have is worth, is worth anything but you, oh God. It's I lay my accomplishments and my prizes and my money and my possessions before you. Do you see a, something beautiful here in this picture that the redeemed and all of creation you know, around this mighty God, and their response was to worship him. Was it to stand with their hands in their pocket or to stand from afar? No, the redeemed, all of creation came before the very presence of a holy God, and day and night they worshiped the Lord, and John, Jesus is reminding John in the church right now that there is a God in heaven right now. He is a someone, and he's, he's like emeralds and gemstones and jasper and carnelian, and there's a rainbow emitting from his throne with peals of thunder and peals of lightning, and he has all the control and all the authority, and he was and he is and he is to come and you see the picture in heaven. He says, I want you to know that no matter what's going on in this planet, all chaos and all difficulty and all hardship and all future and all the things that you're facing in your life, everything is submitted to the very throne room of this someone. And the response when I'm facing the chaos of the life is to say, God, no chaos will stand between me and you, God. I lay all my crowns before you. Worship was the key to experience a revelation of heaven. Worship was the key to getting a God perspective on the world. When they recognized that this living God was in the very, this living God was in the presence of heaven right now, and that all these things were happening, John immediately began to write this down and say, God, don't worry about due mission. I know you're being persecuted. I know you're being murdered. I know you're being mistreated. I know life's not easy right now. I know the finances are short. I know the marriage is in a upheaval. I know, I know these things are going on, but get a picture of the realities of heaven and it will change how you respond. You'll go from complaining to worshiping. You'll go from frustration to worshiping. You'll go from fear to worshiping. You'll go from anxiety to worshiping. You'll go from trying to control your life to giving all control over to the throne room of God by worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He wanted them to see the realities of worship, that worship is not just something we do for 16 minutes on a Sunday morning. Worship is something that's happening right now that you can join in by simply lifting your eyes and saying, Jesus, give me a revelation of your throne. And as he does, you will just find there is nothing I can do but worship the almighty God. We begin to see this healthy reality, this picture of heaven. We see the throne with all authority a place of judgment, yet he's pulling us close to him. 
where the comforter and the advocate and the helper is there, where chaos is at the feet of his throne and it's calmed and under control and where those redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ are there around the throne with the ability to rule and reign with Christ and to be near his throne. And all of creation near the throne is worshiping the Lord. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and the throne is absolutely occupied and this someone is in control and this someone is indescribable and altogether beautiful. And this is someone as powerful promises of emitting from his throne for you and for me. And this someone is holy, 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 the almighty, the one who always was and always was and is still to come. He is worthy to receive all the glory and all the honor and all the power. He created all things and they exist because he created them. Church, we have to have a correct picture of heaven to understand a picture of our earth. Listen to me, you will not prevail. I want to encourage you today. I'm going to say something, and I want to be very careful. But in the last season of our world, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you. We have to prevail amongst sickness and death and persecution and hardship and difficulty. When life begins to fall apart, we are reminded that there is a God on the throne in heaven. And he's worthy. He's righteous. And he's altogether in control. And that I don't have to have that control. I can yield that throne or that crown before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We can know today that there is a God right now in heaven who's working on our behalf. And he's here and he has promises for each of us. And he wants to settle the chaos in your life. In the end, we win. The church of Jesus Christ prevails. The gates of hell will not prevail against you and your life. And this church, in the name of Jesus Christ. Church, prevail because he's on the throne, prevail, because he has all dominion and authority and power. Can I hear an amen? amen? This should drive you to the throne room of God to remind you that there is nothing in your life that isn't too possible for our God. No matter how much you've sinned, the wrong things you've done, how disconnected you feel from God, the things in your life that you have an unhealthy control over that God says, would you just let go? I'm on the throne. It's occupied. Be encouraged today to know that there is no power or force in the heavenly realms that can keep you from that throne of God. No sin, no death, no demon, no height, no depth. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ and the throne of God that you and I can have access to because of the, because of the redemption of Jesus Christ. You stand with me, your, your feet, stand on your feet with me this morning. <laughs> Come on, I know there might be some people watching online or even in the room today, and you're here and you say, Man, Ryan, I just I see this and I realize now that maybe I don't have a correct understanding of who God is, and and maybe I want to start a personal relationship with Him. We exist here at Love City Church to reach people who are far from God, to help people have an experience with a living creator and come back into relationship with Him. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And today it's very simple. You can enter that same throne room. We have, there is an access code. There is a password and it's called faith in Jesus Christ. Believe in him. Put our faith in him to confess that he's God over our lives. And guess what he does? He comes and he transforms your life. And now you can boldly approach him in your time of need. If you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ or online, that's what I want you to do. I'm going to pray for you. But I want you to email us, please. Info at lovecitychurch.ca and just say, I gave my life to Jesus. I don't know what to do next. 
We've got a few folks here that help you in the room if you need that. If you want prayer today, we're going to pray for you. You can come down. We have a prayer team that's going to pray. Let me pray for you today. Pray that, that there would be a revelation for you in your life, that your view of, heaven, of earth would change because of what Revelation 4 tells us. Come on, Father, we pray for everyone in the room right now. Lord, we thank you that you are the first and the last. You, you are the one, you, you were and you are and you will be. You're the living God. I pray this morning, Father, that you would come and that you would cause every person here today who's feeling chaos in their life, every person who's praying for unmet promises, every person who feels disqualified from being in, the prayer, in a relationship with God, Lord, I pray today for every person here who's being overwhelmed with the circumstances and the situations of this world. We today, God, pray, would you give us a revelation of the Son of Man and of heaven. Open our eyes to see what's really going on in this spiritual realm. Let us see the realities of heaven and the realities of this someone sitting on the throne. And when we feel overwhelmed with life and we feel beaten up and we feel like we don't know how to go to the next step, God, would you come and would you in your gracious ways, would you reveal yourself to us? Lord, we love you. We thank you for an amazing day today in the house of the Lord, God. We pray everyone be blessed, God, in your word. They be blessed today and this week. And we pray you be built up in their most holy faith. In the mighty and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody say. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.